Hello, and welcome to the Weird Waves podcast. My name is Taylor, and this is episode 35. On this week's podcast, we are talking to Dr. Talia Marchegiani. She is a naturopathic doctor based in Toronto, Canada. This was an extremely informative episode, and we talked about everything from the differences between homeopathic medicine, naturopathic medicine, traditional MD, Western medicine. It's very informative. We talk about vitamin D, how to get the right amount from the sun versus what sunscreens you can use, what's good for the environment, all that type of stuff. We hear about her surfing journey, which is very interesting. And we also hear a little bit about how to boost your immune system during this kind of strange time of the coronavirus. So very informative, extremely educational, and I really hope that you guys enjoy it me with my uh, day three of probably the same shirt <laughs> yeah yeah I've been um wearing like hoodie hat because I don't want to wash my hair and then like um yoga pants so uh-huh. yeah yeah oh yeah there's leggings under here yeah <laughs> yeah but I'm like but people can still it's actually worse because there's so much video and so much of it's getting recorded I'm like everyone's gonna know that on March 19th I had the same or like for the last three days <laughs> in the same shirt <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny so are you in toronto i'm in toronto yeah cool toronto proper on the west end yeah what about you? you're in michigan you're in michigan city. michigan city indiana so it's actually a little bit confusing but we're like right i always tell people the lake if it's shaped like this the bottom we're like right at the bottom mm-hmm. um it's like 10 minutes from the michigan border so, but okay. but it's Indiana, so okay. I mean I don't okay. know. All right, but um, you're right on Lake Michigan. Yeah, yeah. So and I'm gonna go for a surf later today too. Here I think it's it's uh it's building, but it looks better right now up there, right? Does it work on a Southwest for you guys? Okay, so it works on everything, I believe, but a north wind, mm-hmm. um, because of being at the bottom of the lake, um. Mm-hmm. We kind of like, even if it's not directly like sending waves our way, where we're at, we end up just getting like fetch from, if it's working in like Sheboygan, it's okay. usually working where we are. If it's working in St. Joseph, it's usually working where we are. So oh. I know I always talk about our spot in hopes that people will come and join us and they never do, but it's totally, <laughs> it's totally underrated. It's It's a really good spot. So that's so cool like here so toronto it's basically an east because the way the lake is shaped but today the wind's blowing southwest and it's strong enough that there's one spot that potentially could be working so i'm going to check it out after this and what spots do you usually surf when you're in toronto are you surfing like ontario and what's the other one erie yeah Yeah, erie is like about um, almost a two-hour drive Okay. And so that's like, there's just seems to be more West wind. And so there, because of the way that the sort of like the two tips of the lakes are touching. Mm-hmm. And so if the wind's blowing West or Southwest, it's, it's pretty good on Erie. They always have wind. They always have waves. Um, and we're, I don't know, this, this last spring, it's been, I expected to get out way more days and it's been pretty like the winds will build and then they'll die. And it'll be the, the one hour I'm working that day. <laughs> or like just like a, uh, got skunked a bunch of times this uh, this winter, but yeah, but I feel like today it might be okay. 
we'll practice our social distancing in the water. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's like, I literally Googled it. Like I ended up, you know, screen recording and putting it on Instagram, but I was like, can we surf? Like, I don't think anybody knows what the rules are, but I actually think that the perk of being a great lake surfer is there's not that many of us anyway. So if we did need to be six feet away from each other, it's super easy. Well, and yeah, and someone, um, so in like Surfista's group, yeah, uh, one of our group leaders w- was saying like, don't spit in the water, don't blow your nose. And I thought about it. I'm like, it's true, actually. Like, it could be transmitted that way because there's not like, it's not like there's chlorine in the water. We don't yeah. know if the virus is waterborne. So, I mean, yeah. So there's like all these things to consider. And then you start thinking, well, am I swallowing other people's spit when I'm surfing on the lakes? Yeah. Like, probably. <laughs> so <laughs> Just generally, that's gross. <laughs> so gross. <laughs> like, there's no salt or chlorine to neutralize the bacteria, viruses. Oh, yeah. so. Like, that's oh, okay. All the things to consider when we're talking about transmitting. Disease. Exactly. Oh, my God. So interesting. <laughs> so I guess let's start... A little with a little bit about you other than that you live in Toronto so your name is is it Talia is that how you say it Talia but Talia. I live in South America and they all called me Talia and I just went with it it was, it was cute so okay. it could be it could go either way okay. there's two identities there and is it yeah, how do you pronounce your last name Marca Johnny Marca Johnny so you're Italian yeah so on my dad's side Italian okay that's <laughs> awesome and are you first generation did my dad come from Italy here or, or to Canada? Yeah, so my dad was born in Canada and in, in, uh, and then they went back to Italy. So it's like they kind of, my grandparents came here uh, via this sort of mining program. They were oh. trying to get miners in. So they moved to Timmins. I think he stayed, they stayed for a few years. They were like, this sucks. Mm. <laughs> Turns out mining is horrible. They went back <laughs> to Italy. <laughs> And then, uh, so then they had another kid and then they came back. So he was born here, but it was sort of grew up in Italy the first few years. So it's sort of weird, but I guess that would make me second generation Canadian officially. Yeah. yeah I was born in Canada. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. And did you, uh, were you born and raised in Toronto? I was. Yeah. So I was born and raised in Toronto, uh, moved a little bit, but not too much. And then just felt connected to Toronto because of the ability to eat Ethiopian food whenever you want. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good reason to stay. It's pretty, it is. Like, you know, don't underestimate. <laughs> Ethiopian food. <laughs> Ethiopian food options, yeah. Like, you know, I guess New York City, like big cities, you can get, like, you can in a day eat from every continent, but in Toronto, it's definitely one of those cities for sure. So I, I stuck, um, yeah, connected to Toronto for sure. And is that where you went to university as well? I went to university. So I went to two universities. I went to university in Kingston, Ontario uh, for my undergrad degree. And then I I have my second degree from the naturopathic college that's in Toronto, funnily enough. Um, And uh, yeah, so that was so that was fortunate that I could uh, essentially like live with family or just like live in my own city. So, yeah. How did you decide that being a natro is it a naturopathic doctor is that how you say it okay a naturopathic doctor yes okay (laughs) um how did you decide or come to that conclusion that that's what you wanted to do this is a little bit of an elliptical story so i started off in pre-medicine 
in high school, I decided I wanted to study medicine. So that involves getting an undergraduate degree in sciences. So I studied life science, aka pre-med. And it just wasn't clicking. It wasn't feeling right. But I, I was sticking it out and I was, get, I was getting through it. All my classmates were going to go to med school or go on to get master's degrees in like one of the sciences we were studying or PhDs and do research. And none of that seemed appealing to me. Um, I started to have my own interactions with the medical system. So it was things like, um, you know, low mood and fatigue and like changes to my weight and just like this um, general sense of not feeling right or not feeling like myself. And I'd go through all the hoops of the medical system, like talk to doctors and um, they would do tests and they would treat me well, but they would never have any answers for me. They'd say things like, oh, like you're fine. Like everything checks out or, oh, this could be your thyroid. Then they check my thyroid and everything would be quote unquote normal. Mm -hmm. I didn't feel normal. So, okay, so that's fine. So you just sort of accept that that's the way life is. You're like, it's great. I don't have a disease, but I wish someone could sort of tell me why I'm feeling this way. Um, Then I eventually, so I graduated disillusioned with sort of the medical system. Not really sure if I wanted to go to med school and do another four years of what I just did which is a lot of memorization, sort of regurging stuff on multiple choice exams. I moved to South America, to Colombia, and got a job teaching English as a second language, or as a foreign language. And when I was there, so same health issues, actually even worse, because I was living at high altitude, and then I also had gut infections. So I was feeling even worse. Oh, man. Yeah, and then um, same thing. I, I still use their medical system, same kind of, so maybe it's different here. It was the same sort of test, same sort of... Um, Uh, conclusions like you're fine everything looks good we don't know what's going on you know maybe you're just aging I'm like well I'm 22 but thank you (laughs) (laughs) and so um then one of my friends was like hey you know my grandmother sees this guy he used to be a plastic surgeon now he's doing like all these kind of alternative therapies he's they would call it a homeopath which Mm -hmm. I could talk about the difference so he's like you know you should go see him so I go and see this guy and it's a little bit different. It's like a sort of an hour intake session. He's listening to me. He's talking to me, sort of understanding. He's asking me about my diet. He's asking me about my lifestyle, my sleep. Um, and then he makes some recommendations really targeted towards what I'm dealing with. Like, this is what you should eat. This is what you should avoid eating. Recommend some things for me to take. And this is not typical, but within a few days, I felt a lot better. Very different. I felt more energy. I felt clearer mentally. My mood was better. I was like, wow, okay, that's cool. Um, but I also just like the approach of somebody who's just listening, connecting the dots, right? Just trying to understand like, okay, so, you know, we have our diagnostic categories and our boxes that we're trying to insert your symptoms into. But there's also this other area where you maybe don't feel 100% or you don't have something that's quote unquote a disease where like you need, you know, this medical intervention or, you know, like, um, like we're not treating your illness, but we're not necessarily treating you to become healthier. So he was taking this approach of, we want to make sure that you're optimally healthy and which is what I wanted. So I started thinking about that in Colombia and in South America, you just go from high school to med school. So they kind of didn't understand what I had because I, I, I was like, oh, I studied life sciences. They're like, what's that? Pre-medicine. They're like, oh, so you, you, you quit. I'm like, not really. Like, I got my degree. <laughs> and also it translates to Ciencias de la Vida, which is like 
science of life. So they're like, whoa, what is that? Like, <laughs> so like esoteric sounding. <laughs> so my friend was like, why don't you study this? Why don't you go back to school and do what this guy's doing? So I'm like, oh, that might not be a horrible idea. So I started researching it. Um, looked at programs, four-year programs, full-time, essentially like a medical school. Um, and I was like, no way, I'm going to do that. I'm not going to go back to school for four years. And then a few months later, I'm applying in, in my first class. So <laughs> then it, it sort of changed my attitude. And funnily enough, when I graduated, this is just a quick, a quick side story. When I graduated, I was mentoring a um, – so there's a program where, where foreign-trained medical students – can fast track the naturopathic program in Canada. And so I was mentoring um, one of these students who was a Colombian plastic surgeon. He was visiting me in my clinic. We were just having a coffee talking about how I run my practice. And I'm like, hey, by chance, do you know? And I mentioned the name of this doctor I saw when I was living in Colombia, who sort of started the whole thing. He's like, yeah, he was my classmate. This whole thing came full circle, and I was like, oh, where I'm meant to be, <laughs> the universe. So that was really cool. So, yeah, so that's sort of where it got started, and I just really resonated with the the philosophy and the, the attitude behind it, the idea that you're doing this detective work and really getting to know somebody and connect the dots with them and help them get to know their bodies and be an advocate for their health. And it was essentially what I wanted to study when I was doing pre-medicine, but I just didn't know it existed. So it sort of was this way to understand that there's this kind of um, medicine you can practice that's, that's holistic, that's integrative, and that's looking at how the body functions. So that was cool. Yeah. And did you, so can you explain the difference between, I guess let's do maybe homeopathic and then naturopathic and then maybe naturopathic versus I don't know MD or western medicine or however you feel like you want to define it I think that's really interesting yeah we can go into all the categories so there's a lot of overlap so it can definitely become confusing so homeopathy is essentially a certain type of um of medicine or like a certain therapy so it's defined more by the therapy, but then also the approach. And so what a homeopath is doing is trying to match you with a remedy. And the homeopathic remedies are these highly diluted substances. The idea is that they, um, th this substance, so let's say you take garlic, um, a homeopathic. So you can just eat garlic. That would not be homeopathic. That would just be you eating the whole um, substance. Or you can take garlic and dilute it thousands of times to the point where you no longer have any garlic in the actual dilution, like no mm. garlic molecules. And the idea is that what those, what the symptoms that garlic would cause in a healthy person. So like, you know, you think like onions, garlic, you get watery eyes, you get runny nose. If you already have those symptoms, you have allergies, like watery eyes, runny nose, and then you take the homeopathic remedy that is, um, that, that will cause those same symptoms in a healthy person there's something called the law of similars where those two symptom pictures sort of override each other and cancel each other out. So it's the idea of like stimulating your body to clear um, a disease process. And it's highly controversial because it's, well, there, it's defying the laws of science. There's no active substance in mm. the remedy. Um, so we just don't know how it works. It's one of the modalities, which means it's one of the treatment options or one of the things we learn in naturopathic school. And 
to be honest, it's not something I employ too much in my practice. I don't know too much about it. And I, I work with homeopaths and I've had some, some experience with it. I just don't know how it works. And so it's not something that I just essentially requires really like delving into somebody's, um, somebody's physical and mental state and try to match them with the right remedy. And there's thousands of them. There's big books on like all these different remedies that you could pick from. Um, my thing is more, so my background's in science and biochemistry and neuroscience. So I stick more to like, you know, cause there's always so many options you can choose from when you're trying to figure out how to help somebody. So I usually stick with, you know, what have people, um, validated in terms of randomized controlled trials, that kind of thing. So I'm looking at like, what's the best evidence. And so that's sort of where I come from. Naturopathic medicine is like, this it's more about the philosophy so it's not so much about the treatment like we'll use acupuncture we'll use herbal medicine we'll use nutrition um, we'll use certain kinds of testing but essentially we're just looking at the body from a different lens we're looking probably further upstream to more preventative medicine but we're also treating uh, disease it's just that we're at, at the point of like let's say somebody has cancer or diabetes and they're already on a medication we're integrating our therapies with their conventional therapies so we're not sort of saying oh you gotta choose but now we're making sure you know okay so you're on a disease plan but are you also on a um, health plan like you're also eating right are you also exercising also sleeping and supporting your body generally um and we have also like functional integrative medicine so those are these different categories where anyone could practice them you could be a medical doctor, you could be a naturopathic doctor, homeopathic doctor, nutritionist. And the idea is that we're looking at with functional medicine, like how are you actually functioning? Not are you sick or not? So when I was going to, to doctors and they were telling me, oh, you're good, you're fine, your, your thyroid looks A-OK, -okay, a functional doctor would look at my thyroid and be like, eh, you know, stuff's a little bit off. That matches your symptoms. Let's boost up your thyroid function, figure out why it's not performing as well as it should, and let's try and correct that. So essentially like looking at the roots of where this could be coming from. Uh, and then another name is integrative medicine, which is essentially, yeah, like you're, you're using conventional medicine as needed. And then you're also using natural therapies or just supporting your entire body. Cause you're not just like, you know, if we think of like something like COVID-19, it's just like, okay, you're not just a lung, you're a whole person with an immune system. And we want to look at your whole body and how it functions and not just, you know, what's wrong in this moment in your health status that makes sense and with the an md or western medicine or you know what what you would think of i guess if you go to the doctor quote unquote is kind of like symptom and then fix of some kind right it's there's not a lot of preventative type of work is that kind of how that usually works yeah part of it like so a medical doctor could practice functional medicine and a lot of them do and some of them practice integrated medicine or they kind of combine mm -hmm. and so it really just depends so it's, it's sort of you have your training you have your basis in in biochemistry and physiology and in diagnostics and then how you apply treatment and your philosophy on top of that could be different but generally like how our medical systems are set up and how a family doctor practices is they don't have a lot of time with you. So it ends up being like one condition, one treatment type thing, you know, um, a lot of it's focused on diagnostics. And so it's really about, um, again, like, do you fit into this disease category? Right. So if I come in and I have these issues with blood sugar regulation, but my blood work is showing I don't have diabetes, usually kind of, we don't really delve into food. We don't delve into sleep. We're not talking about exercise, right? So we're not really looking at the terrain through which I might get diabetes in 20 years. 
we're more managing it as reactively once I do get it. And I think that it's not to the fault of like, do doctors know about this or do they care? It's more about like the, the training and the focus is more on what happens once you're sick, which we just know is a super expensive way to practice. And it's really <laughs> tough to like, you know, yeah, it's like expensive for our healthcare systems because once you have diabetes, you're, I think you're costing the system 20 grand a year, whereas preventing it is so much easier with what, if you're teaching somebody how to eat and how to manage their blood sugar, it's a lot easier to, and cheaper to help them. And then maybe you can prevent them from getting it because we know it's a lifestyle based disease as many chronic diseases are. And it's also teaching people like, uh, you know, generally like how to manage your health as a whole, how to be aware of like, oh, you know, something feels off or how my diet's connected to how I feel or how my sleep is connected to how I feel or what, even questions to ask my doctor. Like that's a big piece. Like if I go to my doctor and my doctor's telling me something and you're sort of deer in the headlights, which many of us are because it's super overwhelming when they're throwing all these words at you, just knowing like, what are the right questions to ask? Like, what are, you know, how do I sort of advocate for myself? How do I ask for what I need without just going to Dr. Google, who's going to tell you of cancer? And the words <laughs> yeah. doctors, you know? So there's this whole piece there of like learning how to navigate the system. Um, and, and really like taking on this more empowered approach to health. So there's this idea too. I think it's a really great idea because if you think about your car, like if you buy a new car, there's like this guidebook for like, you need to change this at this point and you want to like keep it going good. And yeah. but if you don't do any of that stuff and then your transmission blows, then you're, you know, out three grand. So totally. yeah. <laughs> think I, that, that was what I actually was thinking about. Cause I, I bought a car like, you know, a month ago. And that was kind of like the advice that the guy at the dealership was, he was like explaining to me, you know, like, okay, this is how you kind of keep track of everything. So when you said that, that's kind of, I mean, you know, our bodies are a little bit different than a car, but it's kind of like, I like that the idea and um, the way that you were explaining it. I just think it's really interesting. Um, So is your, so I'm in the States, we have kind of a, a baseline, I guess, not insurance, like policy, but kind of there's like the Medicare and Medicaid system. How is the system in Canada? And how do you fit into that system? Our system is so in Ontario, it's OHIP. And it's covered. So everything essentially is covered, not medications. Uh, although some people have medication coverage. Um so all emergency care, all primary care, which is like your family doctor, all laboratory testing, hospital stays, everything is free. You don't interact with money in the system. You just show your card. And and so we have that system. Um, and that would cover like nursing. It would cover uh, medical doctors. Um, and then certain other professionals could be within that scope too. Like sometimes a, a family doctor referral could get you certain coverage for some forms of psychotherapy or some forms of physiotherapy. And then you have us and we are a hundred percent private. So people that have certain work benefits, they they'll have coverage for our services, mm-hmm. but it wouldn't be covered by the province. Now it's tough because we work within a paradigm where healthcare is free but it's totally not free. Like if you look at your taxes, you're like, I am paying wild amounts of money for the healthcare system, <laughs> okay. which is sort of what this is an agreement that we all 
um, that we all, this is an agreement we all have where we're like, I'm going to pay this much money for our healthcare system, regardless of the value, direct value that I derive from it, because I know I'm supporting somebody who needs, you know, maybe, you know, 90% of these dollars are going to the 10% who really need it. And I'm cool with that because I don't want anyone to be in debt because they needed to be on life support or they, you know, had to be in the hospital for a couple months and, you know, and end of life care and all of that stuff, cancer care, like all of the really expensive stuff. So as a healthy person, um, paying way more than what I am personally um, deriving from the healthcare system. Um, but we have this paradigm where it's free. And so, you know, like we'll go into the doctor and it'll be like a $300 bill to OHIP, but we won't necessarily feel that. Um, and so with me, it's, it's a direct transaction. So people are paying for my services. Now they're getting it covered, but there's still a limit to how much someone will get covered. And so there is this out of pocket aspect to it. Um, but yeah, I think it, it actually, for me, probably works a little bit better. So it gives me an opportunity. I'm an entrepreneur, you know, and looking for ways to deliver care to people that's more accessible because that one-on-one care is pretty expensive and not everybody's ready for it because it's like, I'm going to, you know, a lot of people are scared. They're going to come talk to me and I'm going to tell them to get off coffee and gluten like right away. (laughs) (laughs) And then they also have to like, you know, tell me these really personal things and people are worried about being judged and they're worried about like, you know, being told that they're doing things wrong and, and, or just even like, what am I like? Am I this crazy? Like, am I judgmental? You know, so one-on-one care is a expensive and B it's tough for a lot of people to, um, to, to get their minds around. And also they have to be within, you know, my, my area in Toronto, if they're going to be traveling to see me in person. So I'm trying to offer more things to people where they can get educated and learn and sort of get on the bandwagon and get this. Because so, my focus is in mental health. So it's this idea of, you know, your mental health is not just about like whether you're taking medication or not. It, there's so much more to it. And so this is just educating people on like, how do we support ourselves and what can you do? And what are these underlying causes that could contribute to you feeling crappy um, that you could change today that aren't that hard, you know? So I'm trying to get the word out there and do some more educational pieces um, that are cheaper and easier to access, especially now in this time when everyone's online and no yeah. one's coming to see me. So I closed my practice on a few days ago because of the the outbreak and the social distancing um, guidelines. Yeah. Are you, if someone comes to see you for the first time, are you taking blood? Are you like, what is your, are you going off of other, like, you know, maybe they saw a different doctor and they have their blood work with them. Are you like, how are you assessing people when they come to see you for the first time? Yeah, the first time they come in, we sit down for 75 minutes to 90 minutes. Oh, wow. We're just Yeah, we're just going through their whole thing. So you're basically, it's a very open conversation. There's certain questions that I ask, and um, but I really want the person to lead. So they're leading with what their main concern is, and then we're diving into specific details about those symptoms, specific details about their food and their sleep and their energy levels, if it's a woman, we get into periods, we get into digestion. So I hear all about poop. So we're really like putting together this narrative. And the idea is, yeah, like we're throwing all these puzzle pieces on the table so that then I can sort through them. And those puzzle pieces include blood work, which I might order or they exactly, they may already have gotten tested. But when we're thinking about functional testing, it's, it could be the same blood test that the same generic blood test that you're getting done in a lab 
through your family doctor, but I'm looking at it through a different lens. So I'm looking at, okay, you know what, you're not in the abnormal ranges per se, but you're, I'm seeing this shift, you know, where you're sort of at the low end or the high end. And so we're looking at, and this is matching your symptoms. So we're putting that together with all the pieces. Um, then I have them come back and I put together a care plan for them. So I'm like, okay, so based on everything you're telling me, this is our plan for the next month, two months. And, um, these are the specific recommendations I'm making. And the more we understand what's going on, it's kind of like looking under the, the ice, like be, be beyond the tip of the iceberg. We're like, okay, so this is what I think is going on. So we're going to be targeting our, my recommendations specifically to what's happening so we can shift where you're at. And, uh, the goal is that people feel good about the recommendations and um, not overwhelmed and not like, oh my gosh, how am I going to do this? It's not supposed to be like that. It's supposed to be because uh, the more targeted we are, like the more specific we can get um, where it's like, oh, I, I really see that you're not getting enough protein and, and these are all the reasons or these are all the things showing up that are indicating that to me. So just by increasing your protein, you're going to notice a shift in all of these symptoms that can be really helpful for somebody and it's not super overwhelming. So like literally you're telling me just to eat more chicken and eggs or pumpkin seeds. And I, I'm cool with that. I think I can do that. Um, so this is the approach then. Yeah. And, and we're, we're trained a physical exam, blood work. And so, you know, oftentimes we're catching, uh, actual diseases as well. So someone's like coming in, I'm ordering blood work or I'm assessing them. And I'm like, Oh, you actually have, you know, this medical condition. So I'm going to send you back to your family doctor to get tested or go through these imaging, um, uh, to get certain imaging tests done and things like that. So it really just depends on where, what someone's coming in with. Um, someone may already be, and someone's goals might be different. So someone might come in totally healthy and just say like, Oh, I want to just get that extra 5%. Someone might come in, you know, suicidal medicated like at the end sort of at the end of their options and I'm like the last resort which is not my favorite uh person to treat just because it's hard you know when we're talking about preventative medicine when you're already in a place where things are pretty awful it's tough to 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 really notice shifts quickly things take time when you're at that stage um or someone's coming in kind of like okay you know I'm taking antidepressant it's making me 10% better but I want to know what else it can do um or someone's like you know my doctor recommended antidepressant not sure if that's for me. I want to see, you know, what you're going to offer me or what we can do first. And let's do three months of this and see where we're at. So people are coming in at all different levels and we're just like working with where they're at and what their goals are at that point. Yeah. So interesting. This is going to, might sound out of left field, but I'm really interested in this question. What are your thoughts on sunscreen? Oh, good question. Um, and how do you personally use sunscreen? I ask this question because, um, as someone who does hair, and we've talked about this a little bit, I've yeah. seen, um, I've asked clients to go and get their vitamin D levels checked mm. when they're having hair issues. Totally. And a lot of times, um, it ends up being they're super low in vitamin D, especially in the winter. And even people in the summer who are out, their vitamin yeah. D levels are really low because they're slathering sunscreen on. So okay. I'm curious, what's your personal practice? And then, you know, wh- how do you navigate that? Yeah, that's a good, that's a good question. So definitely vitamin D essential for like, so it's a hormone. So it basically is controlling anywhere from 900 to a thousand genes in our body. So we think of 
vitamin D originally as this, if you were super deficient, you would get a condition called rickets, which is these soft bones. Mm. But that's super rare. It's rarely going to be that low. But when you're suboptimal, you're going to experience things like immune dysfunction, so autoimmune conditions or immunodeficiency, which is relevant right now for like everyone's trying to protect their immune system, even mood, um, just how your hormones are regulated, um, your, um, you know, brain chemistry, cognitive function. There's all of these different, um, conditions that are associated with vitamin D deficiency and then hair loss is a big one. And like, yeah, if I stopped running baseline vitamin D on people because everyone was coming back low. So I usually recommend supplementing, especially in the winter. And then we do a check-in in a few months to make sure someone's optimal because not everybody responds the same way to the same dose. So we have variability in our DNA and how well we absorb and make vitamin D. And you typically make it when the sun, like UV, B radiation from the sun hits your skin, cholesterol molecules in your skin, and then vitamin D gets created by your body. You need magnesium to do that process, and a lot of us are deficient in that. And you also need sunlight for that process to happen. But you also need to have a, a decent cholesterol status. So we always think of cholesterol as something that's bad, but cholesterol is actually important for hormone production, for cell membranes, for cognitive function, and then obviously for making vitamin D. So you need enough cholesterol. You just don't want to be way too high with cholesterol. So when you're blocking the sun or you're not getting any sun, so winter months in Canada, you're not getting much sunlight. Even if you are getting sun exposure, the um, angle at which the sun is hitting you is, is potentially too low to actually get enough, and you're not exposing enough skin. So guidelines are to get 20 minutes of sun exposure on 20% of your body, which would be like wearing a tank top and shorts, being out in the sun for 20 minutes. Mm. But then Every the day? Like per day? Yeah, per day. Okay. And we don't know necessarily. So, you, you know, you might be getting that amount of sun exposure and then your body is just, it's not making vitamin D as efficiently or it's processing and clearing the vitamin D more quickly as well. So that wouldn't necessarily guarantee that your levels are optimal. When you think of like, so I was in Brazil in, uh, in December and it was hilarious. So I went with a friend who's a biohacker. So somebody who's like really into like, you know, optimizing their health to the utmost degree and like living to be a thousand years old. And he was like, <laughs> I don't do sunscreen. And he looked like a charred piece of meat in a couple oh, of days. Yeah. It was so bad. And I was like, dude, like, there is such a thing called zinc oxide, which is just a, a physical block. So because there's this idea like, you know, certain sunscreen ingredients could be toxic or um, or affect our hormones or, you know, not be great for us. Generally, whatever we put on our skin potentially could get absorbed into our circulation and, and get absorbed into our bodies. But zinc oxide is just a physical block that so just sits on top of your skin and prevents all sunlight um, from coming in and damaging it. So you want to think about like sun damage as well. And like, if you're out surfing for three hours in the Brazilian sun, I usually put zinc oxide, like I don't know in, in Costa Rica, they make something called Pura Vida, which is like zinc oxide and cocoa butter. I put that on my face. I'm like gray and a rash guard. And, and then you look and you have these like dark mitts and your butt's like super tan from paddling. Um, but then you know, but you're still getting sun exposure. So it's like sun is still getting through, it's wiping off. And so I'm generally like applying sunscreen a couple times a day or some blocks. And then when it gets wiped off, you're still getting some vitamin D. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, it's tough because some people really don't do well with sun exposure. Like they get burnt or they have even allergies to the sun or they have family history of melanoma or they're, cons- or they've had melanoma. And so they really are trying to protect themselves. And I think we just generally can't rely on sun exposure for vitamin D because we're not getting it for like six months of the year, at least in Canada. So we're probably supplementing anyways. So it's good to just kind of check in on levels generally at least once a year and just make sure you're in the sweet spot of where you should be. And then, you know, um, and taking into account like, okay, I was just in Brazil. I have this sweet tan, probably my vitamin D is okay, but let me check it out. And there's also this phenomenon where you come back. So you're like, Oh, I was uh, in Mexico for a week, got, you know, a lot of sun exposure. My, 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 my vitamin D is probably stellar, but your body then is like, Whoa, all this vitamin D came in. Let's start clearing some of it. Because it's something that you store and it can become toxic at high levels. So your body does try and manage its levels. And so what happens is you're, you're a week in Mexico getting a ton of exposure. You get on the plane, your liver starts degrading vitamin D, and you can actually dip and become too low once you get back to the winter wow. in Canada. So it's, yeah, it's good to just like check in. My, my best friend, I used this story one time in an Instagram video, but my best friend, um, she's like, she's like, lives in like Bali in Mexico. And she's like, people always ask me about the weather. She's like, we don't talk about the weather. It's not a conversation. It's always perfect. She's like, I don't wear her <laughs> <or> string. <laughs> and, and she has an autoimmune condition and her vitamin D levels are always low. And I'm like, how? You're always in the sun. So it just totally depends. And I think like people just need to check in on their levels and just be on top of it. Long answer. You no, know, that's a great answer. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. No, I like for me sunscreen is just one of those weird things that I've been looking into like a lot recently for whatever reason I don't know I find myself kind of getting going deep on some of these certain things and I think as um I think as surfers but also as women um it's kind of it's really important um I when I came back from New Zealand my skin like freaked out Like it just like it freaked out and I really got into like taking care of my skin and figuring out this was before I was doing hair and sunscreen was one of those things I never wore like 24 seven, but then I started doing that and then my vitamin D levels were really bad. So I'm now I'm kind of like, like kind of like what you're saying. I, um, actually I had a dermatologist tell me like, if you go, for five minutes um, in a tanning bed twice a week, just cover your face, but no sunscreen and just go in there. That's okay. Like you're not, it's not going to hurt you. It's when people go in and cook for 25 minutes and whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, But I found that that in the winter helps me. Maybe it doesn't actually bring my levels up. I don't know how much it helps that way, but it, I, it maybe tricks my body into feeling like I'm, I feel better when I do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, so we have vitamin D, then there's also just sunlight, mm-hmm. which has its own set of benefits. So it's hard to tell because you're like, even if your vitamin D is optimal, but it's a gray day like today, it's, it, we're still, because sun is giving us this boost of all of these different chemicals and it's regulating our sleep wake cycle, which is good for mood. So it's like so many things that sunlight does for us that in addition to providing us with vitamin D, we're an ingredient for us to make vitamin D that if we don't get enough, it's like, you know, definitely mood can tank, you know? Yeah. 
<laughs> Those winter blues. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Especially with like too many west winds. I'm like, come on. <laughs> so okay, let's let's talk a little bit about surfing. So how did you get into surfing? Uh, okay, so yeah, so I mean, I grew up in Toronto, so I did not think I could surf. I was a snowboarder, like pretty intense in high school. Like I really liked it. I was a snowboard instructor. I started, I started this, had an ingenious idea in high school to start the snowboard club, which just involved us going on snowboard trips during the school day and getting it paid for by that. So we would just like figure out, okay, we're going to rent a bus. We're going to get a group ticket. And my friend and I were organizing it. We needed two teachers on board. So we just organized it so we wouldn't have to pay. And all we had to do was write this proposal to the vice principal being like, this is going to benefit our education because we're going to learn about, I was taking like exercise physiology. I'm like, we're going to learn about our VO2 max as we're going down the hill. It was hilarious. Like, I don't know how we got away with it. We went on like four trips a year. Just during the school day, I'd be like, can't, can't be in chemistry. Sorry. I got to go to my snowboard trip. I'm, I'm responsible oh snowboard club. So that was happening. Um, then I, and yeah, so, but I was always kind of into like board sports. I don't know what it is. It's sliding on a board. It's, you know, something is magical about it. And then, um, but you know, I don't know, snowboarding, you're on this, this static hill, uh, you know, unless you're doing more like aerial maneuvers, it kind of gets boring after a while. Um, and also I had this huge affinity for water. So I was also a lifeguard. I was also on the swim team. Uh, you know, so I was doing these two things. So it's like, obviously surfing is this, like, it's what I was going for, but I just didn't think I could do it. So I'm like, I'm going to swim over here, snowboard, be on a board over here as a skateboarder. And, you know, hopefully those two can equal something that's like surfing. And, uh, one of my, um, so last year, 2019, is that right? Yeah, 2019, January, um, I joined my, my clinic owner and my friend, and, we, and I joined her family in Costa Rica, and I decided I wanted to learn how to surf. I got hooked, and I'm like, that sucks, though, because it's like a huge learning curve, and I don't know if I'm going to keep this up. So I'm like, you know, what am I going to do? Just go on a trip a couple times a year and try and keep up my skills. Um, I met this girl, uh, on the beach and she was from Toronto and she's like, you know, you can surf in Toronto, right? I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, yeah, you could just join this group called Lake Surfistas. Um, like I'll send you the Facebook link. I'm like, what now? And she, and I'm like, oh my gosh, like, yeah, summertime. I'll be on, I'll be like on Lake Ontario. I'm like, I've never seen it, but I'm just gonna go with what she's saying. She's like, no, no, no. Summertime. No. She's like, yeah, maybe summertime there are waves, but it literally the season is September to March. And I'm like doing the math in my head, like September, March. Oh, I'm like, well, you know what, whatever, like, you <laughs> know, probably be fine. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. So, um, so yeah, then I, I came back, I went to surf Ontario and talked to someone, bought gear because essentially like, you know, I'm like, you know, I'm just going to jump in, got, got a board, got a wetsuit and started surfing and definitely still a learning curve. But great yeah it was amazing like I think the first time I went and checked it out I saw that people were were um at Scarborough Bluffs in Toronto and there was a wave there I think it was last February it was a good day and I just looked at all these people out on the water all these like seals and they're in their like hooded suits and there's like ice everywhere and everyone's having a great time and the wave looked really good and I was like you know what I'm in I'm doing this this is gonna be good yeah <laughs> 
That's so awesome. It's yeah. funny how many, it's been a theme with these Toronto surfers that I've talked to. Everyone's like, yeah, I met someone on this other trip that was also from Toronto <laughs> and they also serve. It's so funny. Yeah, it's great. Oh, yeah. Like I went to Brazil. Like I, I think my goal is to go a couple times a year to, to get, to, to practice on clean ways because it's just so variable here. It's like, it's tough. You know, sometimes you're, you catch like one a session um, and it's just tough to practice because you screw up and you're like, okay, well, I don't have a second chance now to figure out what went wrong. So my goal is to still go somewhere where there are like clean kind of predictable swells, but then to just, yeah, just keep surfing here. And it was crazy because yeah, it was like surfing in Brazil to improve for the lakes, which is a really cool thing that I never thought I'd be doing. <laughs> when I had like Roxy posters on my wall and crap in high school. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny though. Um, I, in Michigan, like growing up in Michigan, it was kind of like a similar thing. Like I remember buying like Roxy, whatever shoes and like the bathing suits were really expensive. And, you know, there was like Bethany Hamilton was yeah. like, you know, and now it's, you know, you look at it and you're like, oh, that's, you know, I'm still kind of like that. Like I've got my posters like, <laughs> everywhere and stuff. So funny. What's your, what board are you riding now? Or do you have a couple boards or what's your like gear setup? I just have one. It's seven and a half uh, foot and it's modern surfboards. It's a big, it's thick. It's like, it's a high volume board. It's got good flotation. I didn't know what to, honestly, I, when I was in Brazil, just now I was riding an eight foot board. Um, and really like it's, it was just about like, can this fit in my car? <laughs> yep. I and challenge me. And, and, you know, and it's, it's a great board. I really like it actually. I was Is it a single fin? No, it's three fins. So it's a, yeah. it's a fun board. Yeah. Fun board setup. That's yeah. cool. I might have the same one. Is it blue? It has like, it's really pretty. It's got half like kind of this wood design and then it, ha and then it's blue. Yeah. It's like light blue. Yeah, those are cool. I have a couple. Yeah. I think I have two modern boards. Um, they're awesome yeah. because they're like reasonable price wise and yeah. they all have a lot of volume. So that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's great. And I'm like going down my apartment building with it in the elevator and people are like, <laughs> <laughs> they're like, where are you going? I'm like, yeah, Barbados. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's like it's almost like, do I have the time to explain this to you right yeah. now? That's yeah. always been my like, oh, what you doing there? Like, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. do you have ten minutes? Yeah, <laughs> like, uh, yeah, <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, you're like, don't worry, don't worry. Yeah, I'm like in the like condo showers, <laughs> getting sand off, like busy. <laughs> yeah, no. What? What are you doing um, if you're not surfing? Are you are there certain things that you do to train for surfing, or are there certain other like physical activities that you do? Um, how how do you do that when you're not surfing? I do yoga. Yeah, so I mean, right now everything's in lockdown, so or right. everything's shut down. So I'm, but I basically I'm I'm pretty act like I'm pretty restless generally i have an aura ring which tells me about my movement and it's just like constant all day long maybe it's also just the hand motions like yeah. the italian thing <laughs> but i'm basically like lots of walks outside in nature i live by the lake i live by a park called high park so i'm like always kind of in amongst the trees um but i, I will go to the gym 
and do classes. And so it'll be things like um, low weight, high rep workouts, like body pump and a lot of yoga. And I think yoga is probably like really fits well with surfing. Yoga and swimming go together pretty well to, to set you up for, um, for good surfing skills, especially like Cobra pose type stuff. And, you know, and just getting into warrior pose really fast for your pop-up <laughs> yeah. the balance aspect of things, you know? So I feel like, yeah, like yoga has always been a good fit for me. It's always been something that I've been drawn to and like felt like if I was doing yoga regularly, I felt generally good um, physically. And so I'm trying to keep that up, but I suck at doing home workouts and staying motivated. So I'm like, I can commit to 13 minutes and then I'll do 13 minutes of yoga and then I'll start doing dishes or something that I get distracted <laughs> by. Yeah. But definitely, yeah, yoga, I think is, is a really good um, combo. And I know, yeah, like Surf the Greats is offering oh, yoga online great. right now. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I know you yeah. were doing that. Yeah. yeah, I did the meditation and I'm, uh, I'm, I'm also a person that gets kind of like busy or like my mind gets busy. If I'm doing a workout, I, for me, I'm good. Like I can do like a good 30 to an hour if I'm like, yes, this is what I'm doing. But mentally it's hard for me to like clear my brain. Mm. And I did the meditation. I did one yesterday too with Antonio and it's just so good. Mm. Like it's so good. And his voice is so soothing. Mm -hmm. Like it's funny because I've interviewed him twice now, but I didn't actually realize how soothing his voice is. I'm like, Oh man, this is so nice. Yeah. You know, like a slight accent in there saying all these nice, like, you know, just soothing everybody. It was such a, like, it was such a cool experience. Yeah. And he, he's doing yoga too. So yeah, I, uh, I don't know. It's just kind of interesting to see, how everybody is acting with mm -hmm. kind of this worldwide mm -hmm. just pause in like everyday life and I think I don't know I think for surfers it's kind of interesting um I've seen more posts from surfers stuck in like places because or mm -hmm. like should I cancel my trip is it on lockdown there what am I doing what's the risk am I putting other people at risk um Mm -hmm. it's very I don't know it's kind of strange to watch this mm -hmm. whole thing unfold a little bit mm -hmm. yeah that's like I mean we're talking initially about what's what are the rules like I'm going today there's probably going to be a few people out there mm -hmm. some healthcare workers that you don't you know I mean we can still social distance and we don't necessarily have um so things are getting shut down and there's this ominous ominous um, ominous sort of a energy of like, we're probably going to end up in lockdown. Like a couple days ago, everything was deserted. But then yesterday I was walking my dog and there was a lot of people out. And uh, so, you know, we don't necessarily have these strict rules. It's more if you're symptomatic, if you've been in contact with someone, if you're a healthcare worker, um, my brother's girlfriend is an ER nurse. So he's been told to stay at home, but other people haven't. I wasn't mandated to close my clinic um, the like regulatory body, the college of naturopaths of Ontario was sort of like, if you are, you can decide what you want to do, but these are the precautions you have to take. And then I just decided I was going to shut down, um, which was a big decision to make, but we sort of, you know, whereas massage therapists and chiropractors were told specifically and dentists were told you have to shut down. Dentists were told you can open for emergencies, but that's it. So, you know, we're, um, 
were sort of like, you know, what's going on here? Like, can I go outside if I, you know, and then this idea of you could be um, a vector, a carrier for up to two weeks um, is, is pretty crazy. Right. So we just don't know. And so, yeah, it's like, can you transmit things? Can you be contributing to spread if you're just out surfing? I mean, we're generally like, um, or like surfista group, like our group leaders, Shaz and Robin are saying, you know, and the general suggestions are like, don't carpool with people. Don't mm-hmm. like high five. <laughs> don't share wetsuits. Don't spit in the water, you know, give people breath. Like don't, you know, whack people and swallow their spit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't, don't make out like, with drop in on people and, you know, <laughs> and then spit everywhere, whatever. Um, so yeah, it's like the, the, you, we can still maintain distance. I mean, typically you don't want to be within two meters of someone if you're surfing, anyways. But mm-hmm. this idea of we just don't, and we don't understand this virus that well. Like we don't. There's just studies coming out recently. Like how long can it survive on surfaces? And then generally, like stuff doesn't survive on copper, but potentially this virus can. And it's not like a very good it's not a robust virus, like typically. So like what a virus is, is just like sort of like a fat ball with like genetic material inside of it. And so usually that can just like break apart pretty easily, like with soap, it'll rip it apart or alcohol, but even physical um, friction uh, could potentially break it up, but we just don't know much about it. So like they're saying, yeah, at least two days on like play structures and subway poles and, you know, especially if you sneeze on something. So we just don't know the transmission ability and it's like pretty transmissible. So we just don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It's crazy. It's very strange. What are the best, um, advice that you can give people in terms of like immunity boosting things to do extra, um, Mm -hmm. just for the everyday person or someone who's listening to this, who is, I mean, if someone's listening to this, most likely they're a pretty active person. Mm -hmm. So if you can, Mm -hmm. yeah, totally. Yeah. Like, so we just, again, like there's just so much we don't know about this particular virus. Like we know things about coronaviruses in general, like a lot of coronaviruses are just like common cold. So there's like a lot of super mild ones, but then there's also SARS like from 2001 Mm -hmm. first SARS and then MERS, the middle Eastern respiratory syndrome. So those were more serious. And so we're not exactly sure like what would kill it. So generally there's things like making sure your vitamin D status is optimal and vitamin A. But then on the other hand, I have um, some sources and who are saying that vitamin A and vitamin D is like maybe a little bit too in the like in the woods <laughs> in terms of science, but vitamin A and D might upregulate something called the ACE2 receptor, which is what the virus locks onto. Okay. So it like might increase your levels of that and may contribute to more serious disease. So that this person is saying, don't supplement vitamin A and D. I think generally if you want to just be at your optimal level for D for sure, and maybe you don't want to mega dose on it, we're probably low. It's winter time. So I wouldn't say like stop all your supplements. There's research like, or not research, but people being like intravenous vitamin C or rub vitamin C on your body. And there's probably not a lot, you know, and some people are maybe saying, okay, well, vitamin C might boost your immune system too much creating, and it's really your immune system that's causing the symptoms. So if you're getting the more severe forms of the disease, which is the respiratory issues, that's essentially your immune system. So it's a virus attacking your, your certain cells in the lungs. Um, but it's also, you know, your immune system creating inflammation and 
exacerbating the symptoms. So you don't necessarily want to be pushing your immune system too hard. But, um, so we don't really know like supplements, herbs, like what is helpful. And it would be more of like an individual thing where someone sits down with me and we really understand their whole, their whole context. Right. Um, but when it comes to like, what can you do to just keep, so we know, obviously your immune system is the thing that's fighting off the infection and keeping you healthy. And your immune system should be able to handle this virus. Um, and for most people, it's like, I believe the numbers like 85% of people won't get a severe form of the disease. So it's only going to be like a small percentage of people that would end up in emergency rooms and need medical care. So it's really just about like, how do you keep your immune system strong? And like the biggest things are, you know, so sleep is the biggest thing. Um, because what sleep does is boost the part of the immune system that's responsible for killing viruses from the body. So what a virus does is it sort of fuses into your cells and then it just injects its RNA, its genetic material into your cell and it forces your cell to make proteins for it. So it's so- sort of like carjacks your cells. <laughs> <laughs> and so... And then what that does is it makes our body, uh, so it, it, like it's weakening immune cells and then it's, it's going after these, these ACE2, uh, receptors, which are in our lungs, our kidneys, our heart and our gut, but mostly the lungs. And so then it's like kind of messing up those cells. And so then, and then it's replicating and then it's infecting some people and creating a mild illness so that those people infect others. So like viruses are super smart, even though they have no brain. <laughs> and yeah, they've survived a long, they've, they've, they've been around longer than us. They know what's up. Um, so basically what happens is once that viral material is in your cell, you got to kill that cell and the TH1 cells are responsible for that process. So they like latch onto those cells and they just like blast it open. They grab parts of it and then they show it to other immune cells. And those immune cells are like, we got, we got problems guys. And then they go after it. So what we want to do is keep our TH1 immune system strong. And we do that by, um, by sleeping. So like even an hour of missed sleep can drop our TH1 immunity. So you want to be aiming for seven plus hours. And since we're all in isolation, might as well sleep, you know? Right. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, so like, so the more sleep, the better, like, you know, seven to nine hours of sleep, good quality sleep is going to keep your immune system strong. And then also managing stress. So making sure, so your cortisol, which is one of our stress hormones is going to suppress our immune function, especially the TH1 cell mediated immunity, which is good, which is what is, is fighting off viruses. Um, and do you want to also, yeah, be like considering just general, like your general health status. So if you have an autoimmune condition, if you have diabetes or cardiovascular disease or some sort of immunodeficiency, then you really want to take care of yourself during this time because you might be susceptible to more serious forms of the, of the um, disease, COVID-19. But, and then when it comes to surfing, it's like, I mean, so this is the thing too, is like self-isolation affects our mental health because we're social creatures and then that causes stress. And so it is important, even if you're distancing to go outside, I, I think that surfing at this point, what my statement is, and it is March 20th. So this might change by the time this airs, but my statement is, I think surfing is a good thing to do as long as you're taking precautions and social distancing, because it's helping with mental health and getting out there. And, you know, if you're super stressed out and then applying cold stress, prolonged cold, 
that might not be great for your immune system. But I think generally cold is actually invigorating and boosting of the immune system. So it sort of like creates this, uh, this cold shock, this stress that then boosts your resilience to infection. But at the same time, you don't, even if you feel great, you may be carrying the the virus. And so, you know, you still want to do the social distancing. You still want to um, make sure that if you come into contact with someone that you're quarantining and all of the recommendations and you're still like, if you're noticing symptoms, just call telehealth and figure out what to do. Um, I'm not sure what they're changing in terms of like who they're testing and who they're telling to come in. If you have respiratory issues, go to the emergency rooms, like that general, those general recommendations. But I feel like what we can do the most is like connect socially, keep our stress levels down and sleep and continue with your regular health plan, like your healthy eating, your supplements, like whatever else you're doing, reach out to healthcare um, practitioners that you're working with. Cause like, I'm still working online. We're doing telemedicine. And I also created a Facebook group um, called the good mood project. It's, I didn't create it recently. It's been a Facebook group I've been running for a while and it, and what I'm doing is just reaching out to the community to figure out what people need. And it's things like one, the first question I got was like, I'm working from home, which actually means I'm working out of the fridge and all my mini eggs are gone. And I thought they would last me throughout this entire quarantine process, but I'm like binging. What do I do? And so we just had a conversation. We're like, oh, this is kind of a normal thing when you're under a little bit of stress and you're uncertain. You're going to be kind of like your body's in this kind of hoarding space. And so what can we do? Your routines are changed. Like all these things are happening. So this is totally normal. Here's some support for that. And just answering questions. Like some people are dealing with autoimmune conditions or like, you know, am I at risk? What's going on? What should I do differently? Um, Or people that have specific questions about their you know, especially like, so my focus is mental health. So a lot of my patients dealing with anxiety, OCD, depression are really suffering during this time from the isolation, but the uncertainty and this whole sort of energy, you know, especially sensitive people who pick up on the energy of, of conversations happening on social media are really suffering, um, just not knowing what's happening and things are changing so quickly. And also like finances are precarious. So it's stressful. So I would say like, take care of yourself and reach out and connect and there are a lot of things happening online, like Surf the Greats is running their yoga and meditation sessions. And there are just so many things that are trying, people are doing to try and connect people. I think a lot of businesses are reaching out and um, trying to come forward at this time to help. Like gyms and yoga studios are like, we're just going to do free online classes. Um, you know, I think some people are like um, prorating. Like if you're a member for certain services, they're like, we're going to give you the month off. So there's, there's a lot of social support, but I think we also need to reach out for it. I saw someone doing like online dance parties. <laughs> <laughs> so there's like a lot of things we can do, but I think we really need to access that stuff and, and, and also curate our social media to more dance parties and meditation classes and less like, you know, I don't know, CDC, like, yeah. John Hopkins like spread graphs I mean that's just important to keep on top of I guess but it's also you know let's focus on stuff that's supporting my job and not not like the catastrophizing sort of um you know articles about how there's no toilet paper anymore yeah well it's so that's stress inducing I mean it's it's really stress inducing it's it's like I kind of my first couple days I I would say that I binged that pretty hard yeah, like pretty hard. And, 
and now I've kind of, since I've let that go a little bit, I'm still checking up on things and seeing what's happening and where the, the shutdowns and kind of how different places are enforcing different things. Um, but me personally, as soon as I kind of stopped doing that, I kind of felt, you know, <laughs> just a little bit of chill out there because yeah. it's, it's like, it's overwhelming and there's nothing that we can do about it at this time. Like there's oh. literally nothing that you or I, or most people can actually do except for what we're doing, which is staying inside. It's just a bizarre mm-hmm. Well, that's it. Like I was saying this to my group, I was like, you know, I mean, we're not in full on fight or flight because we're essentially safe. Like you're safe in your home. Right. You do have food. I mean, you do have something to wipe your bum with. Like (laughs) you'll you'll manage, you know, you got toilet paper, like you're okay. Um, But there's this general sense and one of my colleagues called it feeling jangly. I'm like, I love it. (laughs) Jangly. (laughs) Because you are, you're sort of this jittery sort of like, stuff is happening. We don't know. We don't know what's happening. Okay, yeah. The borders are kind of restricted now. Are they going to close? What's going to ha- How long is it going to last for? Uh, what do we do? Stock market crashed. What does that mean? So we're just kind of on guard. And that's not necessarily like a full on fight or flight. Unless you already deal with anxiety, then you could, it could put you over the top because you already are in that fight or flight state. But for most of us, it's kind of this like, I don't know feeling, you know? So it's also strange to be in that state too of just general uncertainty and I mean there's positive aspects of it too about how everyone's coming together like I felt I was walking the streets like walking my dog and there's nobody out a couple days ago I mean yesterday there was more people there were more people out but a couple days ago there was nobody out and I was like it's so interesting how like I mean we're all taking it seriously and we're all participating and you know it's kind of nice like I was kind of proud of our society for just because we're doing this to protect them the most vulnerable people we're doing this to protect the 13 percent that need to go on a ventilator um the healthcare workers that seem to get more serious forms of the of the disease and the people that could die right How, whatever the percentage is i don't know i've seen 2.3 percent 0.6 percent yeah but you know we're, we're doing it to protect those people and you know, because essentially for most of us, and I think one of the predictions was 50% of us, 30 to 50% of us are going to get it. Mm-hmm. Um, but most of us may not even know we have it. It's going to be a mild flu, but we're doing this to, to protect people. And like, we're kind of coming together as a society. And that's really beautiful because that's really like a lot of our, our society is built on that. And it reminds us of that, you know, I mean, yes, we have people hoarding toilet paper, but Hopefully they're hoarding toilet paper in in the spirit of I'm going to stay home and prevent people from dying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. yeah. Well, I think I still don't understand the toilet paper thing. And I saw this article that was like bidet sellers are like having the best time because everyone's like buying bidets, which is like actually better for the environment anyways. I don't know. It's just kind of interesting. But I, I like I don't fault people for like. I don't want to say hoarding. Like if you're buying like 20 giant packages of toilet paper, I think it's safe to say that you're a bit of an asshole. But I think <laughs> like I think people going and buying like potatoes and bananas and like onions and different pastas and different things like that. I don't think that any of that is unfounded just because that's a pretty calm response to like uncertainty. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. Um, yeah, we kind of like a little bit more than what we typically would buy, right? You just yeah, 
And I don't really fault people for being that way, but I've also seen kind of what you're saying. I've seen people say, like, I will help deliver groceries. Yeah. Like, where I live, it's a pretty, like, our city, I think it's, like, 40,000 or 50,000 people, like, in the city. And then the outside limits is even more people. And, you know, there's this uh, Facebook group, which is usually just filled with people complaining about stupid stuff like potholes and whatever. And it's now (laughs) kind of turned into this, like, you know this place is closing, this place is open, here's this, if you need help, if you need whatever, this place is doing lunches, this is where you can get, like, storybooks read to your kids and stuff, um, it's, it's a strange time for sure, but I, I'm, I have to agree with you, I think it's kind of interesting to see that stuff, I was cleaning out, um, some stuff from where I, I rent a space for my salon yesterday, and, um, I walked in and there was like three people doing yoga, but they were all like spread out all over the (laughs) salon. And she was like, oh, like you can join us if you go like all the way over in that corner. (laughs) And I was like, oh, okay." So then I just joined in in this like yoga class and I was like, yeah, do you want me to pay you? And she's like, no, I just wanted to get out of the house. And then afterwards, we're all like as a group, like cleaning the whole area, you know, and I'm like, this is so it's just nice like I don't know it's weird it's very weird it's something yeah I mean it's funny too like with technology where you're like we there's so many narratives of like we're so disconnected because of technology everyone's on their phone and now it's the thing that's connecting us and there's just been so many video call like I've been interacting on video for the last few days completely Mm -hmm. running my practice through video um and it's yeah it's like I'm so grateful for technology too to be able to connect us it's so interesting it's like showing us like during the Spanish flu like we didn't have this what would we yeah. do just like reading in candlelight yeah. which might be good because I have so many books I need to read which I thought I would get right. through I just have that time which is crazy like still doing all kinds of stuff I mean it's good I, I think it's good I think it's good to be I don't know I, I've also like I said I had a couple days where I was like oh and um but now I'm man I've accomplished a lot of stuff it's just mm-hmm. <laughs> interesting times I don't know um uh-huh. I have one more I guess virus related question oh, and then yeah. um what are your thoughts on Lysol and do you typically use like these type of you know kill everything that is on a surface cleaners and how are you personally like cleaning your space yeah like so Lysol I'm not sure actually so basically it's um bleach alcohol which I 60% or higher um are the the true disinfectants and then soap like and it's the it's the it's not so much that soap's antibacterial like there is the antibacterial components of soap but it's the um um, or antiviral, but it's the, um, the micelles, like, so the bubbles from soap break open. That's essentially like a fatty capsule and that breaks open the viral capsule, mm-hmm. which is also just a fatty layer. So it like, those things are all appropriate for surface cleaning. Um, I mean, I'm in my own home. I live alone, so I'm just, I'm not really doing a lot of that stuff, you know? Um, definitely like so (laughs) my friend's in in bali and she's like people are still doing cacao ceremonies and and yoga and they're just using sort of vinegar apple cider vinegar so definitely apple cider vinegar is not antiviral like it's not going to kill it 
Um, and in our clinics, if we were going to stay open, we were instructed to use certain like medical grade cleaners um, or bleach to, to disinfect stuff. So basically, yeah, you're talking bleach, which I think is like one part bleach to six parts water or 60% alcohol solutions. Um, Lysol should be effective as well. So it'd be like antiviral, anti like microbial um, compounds to clear stuff. And then like the, the hand washing a sufficient amount of time two happy birthday songs worth basically like it's respiratory droplets. So whatever you are spitting or um, sneezing on or coughing on is going to transmit to somebody else. And so that person will like touch the, those droplets theoretically and then touch their face and then the virus gets in, but it has to be on contact. So mm -hmm. there are things like measles, like measles are just like survive in the air. It's airborne disease. Whereas the coronavirus, it's respiratory born, like respiratory droplet um, born, and then and then also maybe um, it can be passed gastrointestinally, so through poop, because there is an infection in the GI tract too. So yeah, so it would be like that. It would be um, the proper disinfectant, so not just you know vinegar and that kind of thing. It's probably like, yeah, I think that the estimate or what they generally found was it can last for 48 hours on surfaces, but it's hours to days. It's not minutes. So, um, yeah, like if somebody sneezes on the subway pole uh, a day ago and then you touch it and then <laughs> yeah. touch your face, not good. Um, masks, generally, they're saying so if you were infected and coughing and sneezing, masks are good because it's keeping the respiratory particles contained but if the mask doesn't fit and you're touching your face constantly that's not good because you're potentially infecting yourself and the the mask so if you're using it as a protective mechanism it's not going to keep the virus from coming in um to infect you so because it can kind of get in through your eyes and your nose yeah it can still get into uh, yeah. The, yeah any mucous membrane so like eyes nostrils mouth sinuses so um yeah. So it's, and then, yeah, if it survives, you know, a few hours to days and you have it on your hands, you don't have to be sneezed on necessarily. Like you shake hands with somebody and then you scratch the mascara out of your eyes and then you're done. Yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah, just lots of hand washing. I mean, this is like going around constantly, right? It's like, wash your hands, wash your hands. Don't cover, season to your elbow. Don't touch stuff. Yeah. So general same principles apply and like, you know, Mask gloves, those kind of barrier equipments. I think that the general um, consensus is leave it for the healthcare workers who are like on the front lines and right. people who are actually infected and trying not to, to spread stuff or who, whatever reason, are not quarantining. Like if you do, if you are sick, quarantine. If you've been in contact with someone who has it, quarantine. If you've just traveled, quarantine. That those um, are all appropriate pieces of advice. But yeah, like with the disinfectant stuff. I mean, if you are like if you are sharing spaces, like you're in your your hair salon. You just had a yoga class. I do, yeah, bleach, um, Lysol, high alcohol concentration uh, sprays and things like that would be more appropriate. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And, okay, I have three last questions for you. Yeah. They're mostly surf-related. Yeah. And uh, so the first one is, what is the weirdest wave that you have ever surfed? <laughs> yeah, well, aside from, like, the random waves in Scarborough Bluffs in Toronto, I would say, so probably, like, the second day I surfed, I think it was, yeah, it was like the second day I ever went out on a board. I could barely paddle. 
Um, I was in Costa Rica and my friends were like not great, but they were way better than me, obviously. And we have this friend, Josie Mar, that was like, oh, let's go to this beach. It's called Barigona. Beautiful beach outside of uh, just near Nosara. And um, beautiful wave. I don't know if it's a wild wave. I don't know what it would look like if I looked at it today. But I remember looking at it and being like, what in the... It was heavy, big. And I am like could barely get to the outside. I don't know how I made it out. <laughs> and um, just like those wipeouts where you like hit the surface of the water and it's like, I didn't know that could happen. Like you're like, knock, like you're like the wind's knocked out of you. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Oh, you're in a washing machine. So I don't know why I was in those conditions. Really terrible. And then Joe Smar, my friend is like, how you were looking down, look at the beach when you stand up. And I was like, that doesn't make any sense. It's the last (laughs) place I want to look. I want to look at the friggin' like, like tsunami that's happening around me, but I'll listen to him because what do I, you know, what I did before obviously didn't work. So I make it and it's just like around me and I'm like, this is amazing. (laughs) (laughs) So it was really wild for like my abilities, which were non-existent at the time, but there was like turtles swimming. I like, I couldn't enjoy the turtles because I'm like, I am going to (laughs) die. But it was so beautiful. such a beautiful beach, a really beautiful wave. Like I want to go back and see if it's like not as intense as I remember, but (laughs) <laughs> it was just so intense for where I was at. Like I, I think I'd like the day before was just in white water being like, I can, I can't even paddle on this thing. And now I'm like, just in, I don't even know. Fully yeah. in it. Like, pipeline. <laughs> yeah. Like it just, it just seemed huge. I don't know though. Like it's, uh, yeah, it's hard to say <laughs> how big it was. <laughs> Cause you know, you look back, you're like, it was like 20 feet. Yeah. Yeah. Probably like, was, like right at your shoulders. <laughs> yeah, totally, yeah. You see a picture and you're just like, Oh, really? <laughs> like there's no there's just like a little like puddle behind you yeah um yeah that was pretty wild but uh yeah just the it was beautiful like just yeah turtles totally clear water beautiful beach no one there um just struggling to figure out how to lie on the board yeah. <laughs> and like somehow riding these crazy waves and just getting totally hooked on surfing because once you make it it's like a proper wave just being like wow this is so awesome now I gotta paddle back out (laughs) yeah exactly now I gotta get back out the back yeah exactly (laughs) I gotta learn how to turn so I don't have to keep doing this right so that was great that was that's probably the wildest wave just because of the circumstances (laughs) what was your biggest like your scariest moment you're like oh shit moment things are kind of gonna go bad or maybe you're so you might be so fresh that you haven't had that yet like, there's just these things where, like, yeah, I think, like, when you're learning, you're, like, there's these moments you're, like, oh, my, I didn't know that could happen. Yeah. So, hold downs, like, the first hold down, feeling, like, oh, wow, that's a thing. Um, just, yeah, like, just being uh, too inside and then having the wave break on me, like, being under the lip and then being held down. And, like, that sort of bubbling sensation of not being let up and not knowing what to do. Um, again, like sometimes when that happens later on, it's just like, it was, I don't know if there, there, it was that bad. Cause when the similar thing happened later on, just knowing how to deal with it and just knowing, oh, okay, this is part of the, the whole thing. So like, yeah, like falling on the water and like it hurts and then you have to deal with 
the the sets that are coming in on your head yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like your ass hurts and you're just like trying to swim you're like oh my gosh this sucks yeah <laughs> especially when you're tired it's like another one yeah. another one yeah you're like, I think you know with the temperature too so definitely like the ice cream headache thing that happens when you're trapped on the inside in the lakes where you're just kind of like and the lakes are relentless they don't have necessarily breaks between sets so you're just taking them and by like the third I mean, a couple of days like by the third one you're like my I have this huge ice cream headache I don't think I can take another or it just gets in the suit and you're like oh boy oh yeah but none of that's been like traumatizing that's um, good you know, I, I mean, it's going to happen. Yeah. So I think, yeah, I don't know. Wish me luck, Taylor. Yeah, good luck. <laughs> well, I, I always ask this question because there's like this, either it was where I was living or this like New Zealand type of slang where there's like a moment mm-hmm. when you're surfing, like when it's, it kind of like reels you back in. It's like a humbling experience where you're like, oh, okay I could like actually like yeah totally um so I I always ask that question because most people are like yes you know like yes like I know exactly what you're talking about um (laughs) but it's I don't know like I have a few but I feel like all of those just kind of reel it back in reassess you know make me want to get stronger better faster more aware of what I'm doing so um yeah that's why I always ask that and yeah I guess my last question for you is what is next for you Mm -hmm. surfing or general life both whatever the surfing I need to get on the waves more I mean I wanted to get out at least once a month that's did I get out in February no missed February missed November so but today today we're gonna check it out um and uh and more like surf camps just just practicing more and um when it comes to like yeah like medicine practice i think um so i'm i'm trying to just put more stuff online create more content for people um help people out a bit more create more community spread the word basically right because so much of us so many of us just don't know that um that there's other things that we can take into consideration when it comes to our health so I have my, my group, the good mood project. So I encourage people to join it, check it out. Cause especially during this time, like we're, we're trying to connect more. I'm getting, I'm going live more to talk about random stuff, like eating too many mini eggs or like what supplements I'm taking right now, you know? And then I also have a couple of, um, so I have a free challenge for regulating your cortisol, which is your stress hormone and how that pertains to like your energy, your sleep, your mood, your immune system, which is super relevant right now. And like just general advice that I actually give people in the first visit that, that, that they'll pay for me one-on-one to hear. Um, but you know, there's only so much you can convey in an hour visit and you know, someone's paying for that hour. We're, we're trying to like, it's sometimes a fire hose of information. So I wanted to create some free resources for people to just stay in touch and to learn some of these things slowly and to, uh, and to apply them. And so it's a five day challenge. It's free. You can sign up on, um, we'll provide a link. Um, but there's links all over my social media so people can follow me on Instagram and learn more about it. And so, yeah, I'm just trying to offer some more of that stuff for people to participate in their health and start more conversations about it, especially mental health is a big thing right now where we're all, um, 
you know, well, right now our mental health is not amazing because there's so much uncertainty. How can we support that? And even if you don't have a diagnosis, we all have a mind and emotions and we all have mental health. And so, you know, how do we just keep that optimized? And so... I'm offering this to people. So join. Awesome. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. We'll put all the info in the, like the description, but thank you so much for talking to me thank this morning. You. This is such a great way to start the day. Yeah. This is so much fun. And that was episode 35. I really hope that you guys enjoyed it. Please keep us posted. Let us know what you're thinking into what's happening with the coronavirus is this podcast your escape is this kind of you don't want to hear about that just let us know it's kind of hard to know what people want to hear in this time and this podcast is for you guys we want you to feel good about it we want every time you tune in to feel happy and excited informed inspired all those good things so please let us know I know we ask every episode for feedback but really with this it's such a strange situation that I want to make sure that we're doing it right it's very important to us um so yeah please leave us a message send us a little voice note or whatever and let us know how you're feeling what you're thinking and what you would like for us because that's what we're here for. So I really hope that you guys are healthy, well, call your family member, check in on everybody, check on your surf mates and make sure they're doing good and have a safe and healthy week.